0: every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: What's going on everybody? This is the Believe in Ravens podcast. I am Kyrie Thompson. That over I had yes, I got the point right this time. That is Nate Atkins. He is a Indianapolis Colts reporter for the Indy Star. We are going to talk some Ravens and Colts week 3 of the NFL regular season. But, but first, we got to talk about something else, because as most of you, if, if you are even remotely paying attention to football, you know that things are going to absolute hell in a handbasket over in Chicago right now, over at Hallis Hall, just in an absolutely insane day of news coming out of there with Justin Fields. Low-key kind of throwing his coaches under the bus. They sort of deserve it. And then backtracking later on. And, you know, they've got, you know, one of their offensive linemen injured and all that. But but the real thing that we got to talk about here is the situation that's going on with now former Chicago Bears defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, who resigned his post as defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears today at some point according to the team now we have known for a while those of us who follow the chicago bears that alan williams uh, has been away from the team for a personal matter his resignation statement claimed that he is stepping away for his health and to look after his family But there are a lot of rumors out there that suggest otherwise. And again, none of this is confirmed. I have certainly heard things that are not good from people that are involved with law enforcement, specifically federal law enforcement. Again, this this stuff is not fully corroborated yet, but things are weird. Down in Hallis Hall. And the reason, the reason I even bring up the Bears, the reason I am talking about a team that is not the Ravens or the Indianapolis Colts is because Nate has covered both has covered the Bears and covered Alan Williams when he was uh you know defensive backs coach with the Colts last year and Matt Eberflus, or rather, or two years ago, I should say, Matt Eberflus and and Alan Williams when they were both on the indianapolis colts coaching staff two years ago and so i gotta ask you what what are you making of
0: this right now yeah it's it's even a little closer to that i covered alan williams in detroit as well he was the defensive backs coach there and so it's it's crazy to watch this all go down because I mean, just from just just on Alan Williams' level. I mean, he was the star of the Lions' coaching staff when I was there, and that was the years they had Jim Caldwell. They went nine and seven back to back years, so those were actually pretty good years. He was a coach who developed a lot of guys that people didn't know a ton about into stars, whether it was Darius Slay or Quandre Diggs or Glover Quinn. They kind of did it over and over again, and so. He kind of carried that over to Indianapolis where he had been. He worked there in the early days, uh, you know, the Peyton Manning years. He came back under Matt Eberflus and a uh, little different. wasn't quite the same thing as Detroit. Didn't get all the stars out there, but was still very respected there. And so I was always curious to see how he would do as a defensive coordinator. I talked to him on the phone shortly after he got that job, uh, just about a different story. And so I was always fascinated to see how he would take off. And last year, you couldn't really judge it because they didn't have any talent. This year. They put a lot more into that defense, and here we are, and he's out of a job by week two. And you know, I just I hope it's not you know what the rumors suggest, and uh, but it's clearly it's something serious. It's something that he felt the need to resign over. Something that has kept him away from the team for a few weeks now, and just seems like everything there's splintering right now between obviously losing a defensive coordinator. You've got Matt Eberflus pulled from a head coach to basically a defensive coordinator and a head coach who has to oversee a young quarterback who is obviously not playing well, not handling things well at all. And you and I have gone round and route about Justin Fields with uh, different theories of kind of why things have not worked there. I've always been a fan of his, but I think you have to get real now and realize that this is kind of a breaking point for him and for kind of everything with that regime right now. And it's just it, – someone said to me – said this to me a while ago that like when you get to a point as either a player or a coach and you're blaming the media for the things that are going wrong that's when things are really really bad and I've seen that in the 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 lowest moments I've been around in this league that that usually is a foreshadowing of things really falling apart and I think that's kind of where things are right now I feel for Justin Fields on some levels and that you know I he hasn't been helped out with this game I think he's honestly he was just being a little too honest probably and those answers about coaching and yeah. I understand why he feels they were taken out of context because uh you know he was talking about how he just feels like it's information overload so it's not so much that like the coaches just don't do anything right it's more that like it's just not processing the right way and it's not coming together but either way you know he he said it and it was honest and it is true but also he's not playing well either there's just it's hard to point to anything with that franchise that's going very well right now and that's why they've lost 12 in a row. Yeah,
1: that is the understatement of the century. And I think you know, with, with Justin Fields, I mean, both of us are, are big fans of his. Um, and there there are there is reason to believe that a good NFL passing quarterback is in there and was in there his rookie year. But the regression over this year and, and at parts of, of last year really makes you question what is going on with this coaching staff under Matt Eberflus. Um it's it's just weird though, because as as much as like that might be fun to talk about, and maybe we will talk about it again in regards to Anthony Richardson, I just it is hard to talk about or, or really kind of think about anything else other than my goodness, th- what an absolute abject disaster is going on and and you you covered the 2014 bears how how does this compare let's let's do this how does this compare to the last mark
0: trestman year
1: when everything went to absolute hell that time
0: yeah it's i the thing that was different that year, you probably remember that there, there were some people that really thought that was a Super Bowl caliber team heading into 2014 because of all the skill players they had on offense, this idea that defense couldn't be as bad. And it just, the product on the field was so bad, it led to strife in the locker room with, you know, Jay, you know, Jay Cutler was not really, you know, necessarily the leader that they needed at the time for a very rocky situation. And then Martellus Bennett and Brandon Marshall, and they just kind of had a lot of personalities that just combusted. This situation going on right now, I think, is seems worse because there seem to be things happening off the field with Allen Williams, and it seems to be happening earlier. Like, what happened in 2014 is that was once they realized around midseason that this wasn't going to work, that they weren't going to go to the playoffs. That's when it all unfolded, is when it just it wasn't fixable anymore. This seems to be unfolding before you're even at that point. I mean, they've only played two games, and, like, the Cincinnati Bengals are 0-2. And you're not seeing situations like that over there. So like, no, they're, it's it's more like we're seeing all the issues before the results played out. And so, yeah, this it, it's amazing that this has happened to them twice in that span. But you know, but I I guess I'm around disaster sometimes because last year's cold season was about as chaotic as things could ever get. I think that's the last time we saw each other too, is in New it England is. where. That was sort of like the, the Bill Belichick beating the last living amount of sense out of the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, that was that
1: that was the, we met in the press box. We talked in the press box when Indianapolis came to Gillette stadium, that was the Sam Ellinger week, which is quite possibly that, that might be the worst quarterback game I have ever seen in professional football. And, and I I've seen, I've seen some real stinkers. That was up there, and and I mean that was the okay. Everybody's getting fired, and you know all all that kind of thing. That that I was that Jeff Saturday's first game, or did he or did he come after? That was
0: the last game before him, so that's why there there we go. Got Frank Reich finished, and in came Jeff Saturday.
1: There we go. I mean, Belichick is the harbinger of doom when your team is struggling. All right okay, thank you for for letting me kind of get that off my chest and now we can talk about the Ravens and the Colts, which is why most people probably tune into this thing so we have two teams that are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum here the Colts are trying to kind of reestablish themselves with with a with a young quarterback with a with a rookie quarterback that i I personally really like and think that he is more advanced than people gave him credit for in in anthony richardson and you know they're they're you know one and one right now and you know anthony richardson unfortunately is already hurt uh that kind of is what it is the ravens are are 2-0 and and they honestly look like they're one of the best teams in the league so as you look at this game first of all what is anthony richardson's status right now
0: so that's going to be the big storyline this week is that he was out of practice today on Wednesday. He's in the concussion protocol. And with these kind of things, as you know, it's just impossible to predict. I've seen guys that clear it that week and are back and it was just sort of a scare. I've seen this linger for weeks on end. It, you know, I don't like to put out predictions on it because every single one is dependent on that player's previous concussion history and the symptoms he had and when he had them and Uh, The baseline of functions he's got to get back to. So we saw Anthony out there on the sideline today, which is at least some kind of sign that he's out there. You know, They usually wouldn't let a player be around teammates or out in the sun and that kind of stuff if it's in those very difficult stages. But he did have symptoms in the game where he self-reported them because he went through two series after a brutal hit on a touchdown run where he just didn't feel like he was seeing the field and operating the way he needed to. And so that part was concerning is it's, it's admirable that he was able to to recognize that, but it's concerning that, you know, that the symptoms were that present. And I think when you watch him on film, you can kind of see this wasn't, just wasn't operating the way that he normally does. So that's up in the air and it's, they're going through it right now because their center, Ryan Kelly, one of the captains on the team is also in the concussion protocol. And so it's like, they could, on one hand, they could get both back and then, you know, then they're back to, to full strength or they could have, a backup quarterback and a third string center starting on the road in Baltimore. So a lot of things can happen this week.
1: You know, the funny thing is the Ravens are going through something similar. They are starting Sam Mustafer at center, uh, at least as far as I know uh, with Tyler Linderbaum hurt Um, uh, played pretty solidly last week. And they also got a backup left tackle in there. Patrick McCurry, uh w- was playing in, in, uh, in, in the stead of Ronnie Stanley. So Baltimore Ravens also have some injuries going on right now uh so hey it'll be a a battle of the defensive lines who can take advantage of the other one the most and that is I think relatively a strength of the Indianapolis Colts in terms of of this matchup there are potential spots where I think they could take advantage of, of some of those injuries but when you look at the Colts defense versus The Ravens offense, which is now revamped and had Lamar Jackson looking like, I mean, just looking smooth as butter, you know, this this past Sunday. What are you watching for how they're going to deal with that guy and all the weapons he now has?
0: Yeah, it's tough. The last time they played him would have been in 2021 when he just it felt like he threw for 10,000 yards in the second half to lead a comeback on the cold. So they know know I remember that one. Yeah, they know how sort of underrated Lamar's been as a passer, and it feels like this offense with Todd Munkin's bringing more and more of that out. Uh, so they're going to be up against it in some ways because the Colts are playing two outside quarterbacks who are second-year undrafted players, and they have moments where they they can make some plays, Daryl Baker Jr. and Dallas Flowers. Then they have moments like Sunday where they give up 384 yards to C.J. Stroud, and so that – you know, the Lamar Jackson is, is tougher than that, but it's also very different because CJ Stroud's, you know, very much your, you know, timing and accuracy and ball placement outside the numbers and not scramble type of quarterback. Lamar's getting the ball out super fast, but we know he has that in him if needed to scramble. And so that's where a lot of the pressure is going to fall on the Colts defensive line. Uh, really the whole season's gonna be that way. But I think especially this matchup, because you mentioned those injuries up front the Colts are very healthy in that area. They have a lot of guys that are starting to to pop up front, whether it's, you know, DeForest Buckner's always there, but they've got Samson Abicom and Quidi Pei and Dio Dangbo. They've kind of got this rush package that's working nicely so far, but they're going to be challenged against a quarterback who can both get the ball out quickly, but also extend plays if he needs to. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that because I'm sure they want to keep him contained in the pocket, but they also got to get to him because if they don't get to him, he's gonna get to their outside cornerbacks. And I I just don't really trust these guys to handle it, even though it sounds like Odell's Odell's out too, right?
1: Um, so Odell's been dealing with a little bit of something. We'll we'll see if he plays, but you're still gonna have, you know, Nelson Aguilar had a big game. Zay Flowers is gonna be there. My guy, Zay Flowers. I mean, look that I mean, right now he's the best receiver on the team, and that's not even saying it like you know, oh yeah, he's the best receiver on the team. Like he's the tallest midget in the room. Like, no, that guy's really good. Um, so that no one's been able to cover that guy. <laughs> so that's a problem.
0: Yeah. That'll be, that'll be interesting to imagine because I imagine he's going to work heavily out of the slot, which is where Kenny Moore plays for the Colts and he's, he is their best corner. He's the guy that is, it's different than these outside corners. He's like in his sixth year now and pro bowl player and he's getting back to that level. So That will help the Colts, but, you know, if they can move Zay Flowers around and get him on some of those other matchups, that'll help them out too. And then obviously, I mean, Mark Andrews, you know, is Mark Andrews, the thing that's interesting here is like the Colts are probably going to do, they're going to be in the same blender that they're putting other teams in where like a lot of teams have been playing zone against Anthony Richardson because he scrambles and they want to keep eyes on the quarterback and they want to keep players in the same positions. Well, that's how they're going to have to play against Lamar for the same reason. And that can help in some ways, but it can also mean that Lamar can just pepper Mark Andrews and split apart those zones, which they do so well. So that's why I put a lot on that defensive line is we're just, we're going to need to probably see DeForest Buckner wreck things against, you know, if that backup center's in there or whoever's against him, he can, he can wreck a lot of lines. Teams usually double team him. And that's where one-on-one matchups go to guys like Samson, Evacom and Quiddy Pay. Some combination in there though is going to have to win this battle for the Colts, right? I just don't know how else they're going to handle this. So on the other side of the ball, you've got a couple of good receivers. You might
1: not have your starting quarterback. Depends. We'll see how that goes. But the running game is also a question here because you don't have Jonathan Taylor because he's holding out for contractual reasons. And you just lost a couple of running backs due to injury. So it's down to like Dion Jackson. So What's well, really what? down
0: to Zach. They got Zach Moss back last week. So it was really better yeah. week one when it was Deion Jackson. But Zach Moss is really actually, I think he's helped them out quite a bit. He ran for 88 yards against the Texans who, that doesn't sound like a lot, but the Texans handled the Ravens run offense pretty well. So I was actually pretty impressed with how Zach Moss ran in that game. The thing about it, he's not, you know, he's he's not going to break the distance. His longest runs 11 yards. That's kind of who he is, but he'll get a consistent, you know, consistent four or five yards. It's just, he took, he played 98% of the snaps last week for them. So if Anthony Richardson can't play, I imagine almost, it's almost like they're putting the entire run game on one player and I don't know how sustainable that is, but for as long as they can keep Zach Moss upright, that helps them a lot out a lot more than where they were at the week before. So, I mean, how much do you
1: think they'll be able to keep the Ravens honest enough to stop them from just sending Roquan Smith and and, and Patrick Queen on blitzes every single play to go and try and kill Anthony Richardson or Gardner
0: Minshew? Yeah, I, I imagine that's going to be the plan, especially if it's, I mean, if it's Anthony, teams blitz rookies anyway, and the Ravens blitz everybody. So it's like kind of a perfect storm, especially if, you know, if the Colts have some offensive line issues, like they we will see if they have, they're either going to have a starting center or a third string center who's never played. So that is a big thing to question. And it, it's going to be tough. It's, I, yeah, it's going to be hard to, it's the Ravens are harder to run on than the Texans are, I imagine. So as for having Anthony in there would help just having that dual threat action in the backfield and he can when they get the right design happening, he can be electric. He ran for an 18-yard touchdown and a 15-yard touchdown. He had, you know, he he hit almost 20 miles per hour, which you just don't see out of the quarterback position. Freaking. I mean, he can be he can be awesome. And so Zach Moss, having the game he did against the Texans, at least brought somebody into the in the fold where you have to guard that guy when he's gonna go hand it off to him. That that wasn't the case the week before. But now there's at least enough of that to where In certain moments, they could unleash Anthony Richardson. But again, it's like how much do they want to expose him to that risk in the situation that they're in? The whole conversation the past two weeks has been about protecting Anthony Richardson and keeping these hits off of him. So even if he clears the concussion protocol and he's back, they're going to be looking out for that. But at the same time, I don't know know how else they get explosive plays if they don't try to use Anthony running the ball because – Jonathan Taylor is the explosive play machine, and he's not out there. Zach Moss is, doesn't have that kind of speed. You know, they have Jelani Woods, their tight end, is one of the most athletic prospects. He's on an injured reserve. And really the only other option they have to get explosive plays is Alec Pierce, and it hasn't worked yet. He's sort of their downfield post-fade guy of play action. They haven't connected, so maybe they can open that up. But really it's going to – even that's going to come down to – using Anthony's legs and making the Ravens overcompensate on that somehow. And so that's just really the bind that they're in. And so, uh, so we'll see if he ends up playing. If he doesn't play, if it's Gardner Minshew, that's where it's really difficult for me to see how they get explosive plays at all, because Gardner, Gardner's a very capable backup, safe player, operational player, but he does not go down the field. He's not a rushing threat and Again, he doesn't have the legs that would open something else up for those other players, and so uh, that's kind of the biggest concern I have is like, how if, if the Ravens start ripping off big plays, I don't know how the Colts match those. I think the really the route for the Colts is, like I said, they need their defensive line to just kind of wreck the game and get this into a low-scoring game. And one thing they do have on their on, on their side that I forgot to mention is I think the Colts maybe they're going to be one of the very best teams in the league at stopping the run which always matters to a point against the Ravens. So they've got to own it on that side of the ball because I just don't think their offense is healthy enough, experienced enough, developed enough to engage in any kind of shootout.
1: No, and and I and that's a tough position to put a rookie quarterback in. It's also a tough position to put Gardner Minshew in. Um, but I think I think Anthony Richardson could eventually become that kind of guy. He's got the arm talent for it. And I personally think he's a bit more developed even than some might have expected. Um, it's certainly than, I than, I don't know. I, I, I actually thought I could see it a bit with him just in terms of raw talent. And I think that he has a quick trigger at times, um, but again, he's a rookie. He doesn't entirely know what he's looking at in the NFL and he's trying to figure out what the speed of everything is. So it's natural for there to be some growing pains there, but I think people just thought that, oh yeah, he's a running quarterback and he didn't complete that many passes in college. So Uh, you know, that means that he shouldn't play for like two years. And it's like, eh, I don't know. I think
0: he's been better than that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, once I really dove in on Anthony, especially when I went down to his pro day at Florida, and you understood kind of the crazy path he had in college of, you know, he got recruited by Dan Mullen and then, you know, didn't get on the field and uh, they were playing a different quarterback for reasons that a lot of people were unhappy about Then Dan Mullen gets fired and they, bring in a different coach and Billy Napier, but they switch up the scheme like 180 degrees and they don't have the, uh, you know, they don't have the talent around him really to take advantage of that. There are a lot of reasons for why he didn't have better production. And really a lot of it just came down to like the, the flaws in his game came down to the fact that he hadn't played very much, 13 starts above high school. And so there were moments of either indecisiveness or, uh, just just really missing some of the easy stuff that's like muscle memory. That's just timing and repetition. He's never gotten that under any one coaching staff or system. So the whole idea of him coming here was they have a coach in Shane Steichen who just went through this with Jalen Hurts. Uh, they they, they built a staff around him that they're hopeful to keep together uh, you know, and give patience, and then it's just been since he got here in the spring. It's been reps and reps and reps, and that's why starting him early in the season was important. Is that he needed to play to build a lot of this, but he has surprised me uh, just in kind of how stable he's been so far. Only one turnover. Granted, he's only played five quarters, but hasn't really had moments that were even close to turnovers. Uh, really, he's been honestly a little too safe at times. He's he takes the check down even in moments on you know third and long when that's just going to result in a punt. So I actually think he could get a little bit more risky than he's been, but he's been very careful to show, you know, that he can be a quarterback who completes more than 60% of his passes as he has. He's a guy who can, you know, avoid putting the ball in harm's way and, and live to, to fight another down as a passer. And uh, I definitely think there's more uh, passing ability in him than people ever gave him credit for because he really, if you look back, the, the situation of Florida was just kind of a dire mess, which is why they really haven't developed quarterbacks there for quite a while, at least as far as getting them ready for the NFL. So this is his development track right now.
1: And I think you see how difficult things look in at Florida without Anthony Richardson, um, just in terms of, of creating offense. It's like, oh, Anthony Richardson was the offense. Look at that um i mean i selfishly i want the guy to play on sunday but obviously the long-term health is the most important thing here so if he can't if if he can't go if he's not ready to go obviously you take care of him you drafted him number four overall you want to take care of that guy and you want to make sure that he's good for the long term so if that means he's got to miss this week i guess he'll miss this week and the ravens will be three and oh um okay i'm sorry sorry for jump sorry for jumping to the spoilers there but i mean one way, like, okay, just give me your thoughts on what you think this game is going to be like, whether he plays or not.
0: Yeah, like I said, it's hard to handicap because it's Anthony Rich and Ryan Kelly, the center. Those are the two key pieces. But I honestly think the easiest way to say this is I think they're going to lose either way because if those players come back and play, they're going to be doing so on a very short week of practice, a very early stage of this building process, And it was one thing to go on the road against the Texans who, you know, another major rebuild. Um, And they were without, you know, once the Texans had no Laramie Tunsil, there's just no veteran good players on that team, really. Uh, They're all young players. And so the Ravens are just in a completely different spot. I think this will be the first real road test for them because Houston didn't feel that way. Exactly. I, I think Baltimore is going to be a difficult outdoor road environment for Again, guys who haven't, at best, have not practiced much, or they're down to backups. And I think that they're what we've seen so far. This happened against the Jaguars. The, the Colts defense will hang in there. They did that last year against a lot of good teams. Like first half, you'll I, I feel pretty confident saying there'll be moments where we you'll sit there and go, "Wow, like, I don't I don't know how the Colts are doing this, but they're doing it. They just they they shut down the run so well, and they just they they make enough plays." you know, with their safeties and, and linebackers and coverage that they can find ways to get off the field and create some turnovers and stay in it to a point. But I think ultimately they got to find explosive plays on their side of the ball to make up for what I think are going to be clear issues they'll have with the blitzes, the Ravens send at them. Um, some of the things they'll do in pass rush. Uh, the Colts just have a, even at their best or a boom or bust type of offense where they can, you know, Anthony Richardson can rip off a gorgeous run or, they can go three and out because they don't really have an identity yet. They don't have really these established go-to guys outside of Michael Pittman Jr. So I think if, if, if Richardson and Kelly play, maybe they, you know, maybe they can keep it tight late into the game, but I think the talent will win over the same way the Jaguars did to them in week one. If those two don't play, you know, I think it could be a pretty, pretty ugly game because I just, I don't think that, the situation they're setting up for Gardner Minshew is the one you want him in uh, where he's got to go on the road. You know, the defense has a week to prepare for him and he doesn't have explosive playmakers who are going to do the heavy lifting. And if you put a guy like that and press him to kind of answer a lot of big plays from Lamar Jackson, uh, that's where things kind of just snowball. So I would guess that the Ravens win by, you know, by two scores either way and whether that's 10 points or whether that's, 30 probably depends on the injury situations for the Colts. Well, I mean,
1: I probably can't say too much fairer than that, And I feel like even against the Texans, things started off slow for the Ravens, but they ended up putting the Texans away the way that you would have expected. So I think that if the Colts are going to be injury handicapped, that the Ravens are going to do it to them as well. They seem like the kind of team that is business that is going to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. And then it's about what they do with everyone else from here on. But Nate, thank you so much for jumping on with me, man, Um, and for helping me slog through, you know, an insane day in addition to giving me the killer insights. That is Nate Adkins of the Indy Star. This is the Believe in Ravens podcast. I'm Kyrie Thompson. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe.